You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. Fly ball deep left field. On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. <laughs> yeah, Dan Dickerson there chatting with uh, Wojo and Rieger. Everybody getting all excited about baseball. You know why? Because pitchers and catchers report in just a couple of weeks, Pat. That's right. And it's uh, colder than the well diggers behind. There's a lot of ice out there, and we're talking some baseball. Woke up today. It was zero. I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's get out in it with the dogs. Go for a walk. Experience the elements. Uh, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text is at the exact same number. We have a guest uh, today, seven forty five. We'll be talking to Alex Lang, who made great strides last year out of the Tigers bullpen. And uh, one of the things that's come up this week, and the last couple weeks really, everybody's kind of releasing their top one hundred prospects. And last year at this time was like. Oh, look at the Tigers got all these top 100 prospects, right? Uh, they had uh, well Torkel's, two years ago, certainly. Yeah, well, because uh, last Mize Manning, Scoobel, right, were all top 25, and, and then, then you had Torkelson, then Green and Torkelson were, right. I think, consensus. It's safe to say, consensus top 10, if not top five, in right. all of baseball. And Tigers farm system ranked uh, in the top 10, uh, sometimes as high as top five, depending on who you have. You know, you got MLB Pipeline, you got Baseball America. You got baseball perspective. You got fan graphs. You got uh, the athletic with Keith Law uh, weighing in. You got a lot of uh, you know top prospects lists. Eventually, I'll do one just because I like doing stuff like that uh, for the Odyssey.com website, uh, 971 the ticket website. But uh, you know, I think it opened up a lot of eyes when oh, Tigers only got one top 100 prospect when Baseball Americas came out. And it was Chase Young at 80, or not Chase Young, uh, um, Josh uh, Jackson at, uh, uh, at uh, uh, Josh, what am I drawing a blank? Jackson Job. Jackson Job. I don't know where my head's at. It's in right? the NBA or something, right? Well, 83. You've been, you've been mulling a lot of names in your head because we were talking about this earlier today. Yeah, I should, Jackson Job. <laughs> I don't know, Josh Jackson, I'm thinking NBA or something. I don't know. I got to do the Pistons show after this. <laughs> Um, but uh, the bottom line about it is there's no way he's the 83rd best prospect in baseball. He's way better than that. And uh, Pipeline had him at 63. But uh, it wouldn't, And I don't know. You know, look, I, I look at this a lot, Dan, but there are so many prospects and so many teams, and there's so much that goes into it. And in baseball, it's a lot harder to do these type of rankings uh, because of the age variance, uh, the draft, all the circumstances that come into it than, say, the uh, NFL which I also do a lot of, you know, podcasts on all drafts, but it's just a, it's just way different. But Job's better than 83, and, you know, like Wilmer Flores, he should be in the I think, top 100 from what I know. I think that, that guy's exciting. I mean, he is going to be an impact pitcher. I really feel that in the next couple of years. Yeah, and uh, the, the pipeline put him in the 90s there. But at 21, uh, to do what he did is uh, sensational and uh, – Really, when you look at uh, if he had been a first-round draft pick and done the same things, had the same stuff, and uh, you exactly. know, it was uh, somebody that was in their rankings earlier, 
It's just the nature of it. It is. To uh, he would be higher ranked, and and with Job, Job is a late twenty. You know, he he turned twenty in no, in September last year. All right, so he's twenty years old. He's pitching in uh, low A ball and then high A ball, and he has two very impressive starts. There were only about three of his games that were available for me from Lakeland. They do not televise the games in that league, but they do televise games. West Michigan, the Midwest League, all of them. I'm talking about an MILB uh, .TV. And I watched those last two starts, every pitch of it. And I'm telling you, he's got good command. He hits 97 consistently. Uh, His slider is obviously a high spin rate that they talk about. He's got to tighten it up. You know, sometimes it kind of bubbles in. You You don't want that. You want a late break on it. He's got some work to do. Oh my gosh, he gets into that league. You know, he had two terrific starts. His last part of the year, he was fantastic. And it's like, well, you know, he's the 83rd best prospect. And they should have taken Marcello Meyer or Jordan Lawler. Hey, those guys are fabulous. All right. They really are. Maybe you can make a case for that. But Jackson Job is better than 83. And I think better than 63 based on what I know from my experience, which includes doing ratings. I did the top 30 for the Tigers for at least a dozen years, they're top 10 for 20 years. So I know all the process that goes into it. So it's not like somebody that's blowing smoke out there on there. Right. So. You knew when the Tigers had, when you were doing those lists, you knew of their, say, top five, which ones belonged in the top 50, top 75. Probably, top, yeah, right. Yeah, right. you had a feel for that. Yeah, which at so the time I was Jackson doing Job it was very top, few. 25 in your estimation right now, right? Uh, he, if he it's, were in the top 25, I, I'm sure some people... That's where was, you would put him. I would put him... Top 30? He, top 30, something okay. like that. But I like. there's a lot of great players that are up there that belong there. Carrollton and you know uh, Henderson and all these other guys. Uh, Meyer and Lawler, you know, guys like that. Lawler. But, uh, you know, I, uh, come on. You know, I mean, this guy, he, he's in the, in the data proves it. And it wasn't a disappointing year for him last year. People think it is. And the other thing, too, is the three games I saw uh, when they were, he was pitching for Lakeland, their defense stunk. And I'm not trying to get on Pacheco or anything, but he's not a shortstop. Well, you gotta, <laughs> no, I mean, just seriously. So when you're sitting there looking at this, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And uh, he, he, he's really good. I don't understand – the angst about it, honestly. Well, here's the other thing about top 100s. I mean, it's it's the best job. There are some really smart people putting these lists together. Yeah, absolutely. And they're doing their best. But nobody can possibly know how each organization, how good a job they're doing developing their own guys, taking into account the changes all the Tigers made, for instance. Now, the Dodgers certainly have that reputation, and – they take people in and they make them better from veterans to kids, right? Right. So you know about their system, but I'm just – there are many other systems. You don't know how good a job teams are doing at developing their players. Tigers made all kinds of changes in their farm system this past year. Really reimagined the whole system, redid the whole system with their staffing. Right. Ryan Garko, first year, all four teams have a winning record for the first time in 30 years. So they did take some pride in that. He said you, you, the biggest thing is you have to make sure you're doing it while you're maintaining this 
process that you put in place, making sure you're doing it the right way. He said the biggest thing for him was raising the expectations, and I was ready for him to say, of the players, he said of our staff. So in other words, how we talk to players, how we treat the players, how we prepare the players, the work that we do every day, that's where the expectations were raised and pushed, and they were really happy with the results that they saw. So that's year one of what has been a, a redone farm system and development system. Now you're still, you've got Georgia Giblin and sports science and all the biomechanics, all that work. That's still in development, how players move. This is what Tampa Bay and L.A. have done for so many years. They were way ahead of the game, how players move. The kinetic chain may sound boring, but guess what? They know that every pitcher makes certain moves it has to be in there. It's not repeatable mechanics. It's certain movements that they have to be able to make, and you maximize every player's body movements so they can come become the best player possible. I mean, Tampa Bay and the Dodgers are incredible at this. Tigers are getting there. So long story short, there are probably – I think there are several guys in this farm system who made big jumps this year. I think Parker Meadows benefited from all those staffing changes with incredible, I think – jump in performance that we've all been waiting for. Ryan Garko says the next piece is these guys got to get bigger, bigger, stronger, faster this offseason. He's called this a really important offseason in that area. He said, we've got all the good baseball people in place. Now it's on the players, and we're going to give them very specific plans, go into the offseason bigger, faster, stronger, come ready to play in 2023 after you've worked, put in all that work. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number if you want to weigh in on this. We'll talk to Alex Lang at seven forty five. But I think it's time for us to have a frank, honest discussion about their farm system, honestly. And uh, I'm not trying to blow uh, uh, smoke up the the Tigers. You know what? Honestly, I mean I've been the biggest critic of their player development system forever. Okay, so if the Tigers' player development system stinks, I'm the first to tell you. And uh, because I spend so much time on it, maybe the first to know it. I don't know. Because everybody's got the greatest prospects in the history of the world. And what I learned doing those rankings, uh, my worst source for it often were the team. Because they love everybody. You know, because they drafted them, scouted them, and they got high hopes for them. Nothing against anybody. I mean, I learned a lot from a lot of people that have worked there down through the years. So, it's not a knock on anybody. And last year was probably overrated. All right, so there's a reality of it. And Parker Meadows is an example of player development system and these rankings. And it's nothing against Jim Callis. For 20 years, I swear, I send in my thing from Baseball America to Jim, who's now with MLB Pipeline. Love the guy, respect him. Uh, Keith Law, I don't know. He's a Harvard foodie. You know, he's a little short. Maybe I'll eat some peanuts off his head, you know, after he trolled me on Twitter. But he knows his stuff, okay? (laughs) Uh, you know, don't do it. So all this, these guys know what they're doing. Okay. They're not like, you know, fly by the seat of their pants. Baseball America is terrific. All right. But I'll, I'll tell you this, Parker Meadows, 23 years old at double A comes on like gangbusters at the end of the year, exceptional foot speed. When Parker Meadows gets in the major leagues and they start timing him uh, feet per hundred second or uh, seconds per hundred feet or whatever it is. He is going to be exceptional. He goes first to third, about as good as anybody you'll find. And he had a longer swing, and it's taken him a long time to adjust. But if he were a college kid who came out like a 
a second round Which is pick. about how old he is now, yeah, right? right, right. And it was just like his second year, and he did that at double-A. Oh, Parker Meadows, is, you know, he would easily be in the top 100. It's just because he's been disappointing in a way because right. people have seen his raw tools. And they're like, when is it going to happen? When is the hit tool going to happen? And I don't know whether it's going to happen again this year, but I know darn well at the end of the last year he was a pretty good prospect. You know, if you watched Erie, you were like, wow, look at Parker Meadows. And he can go chase the ball. When he first came up, he couldn't chase the ball. When he, they had him in center and green and right. I knew they were going to flip green in center when, you know, a couple years ago uh, before the pandemic. So, you know, I mean, that's just an example of it. In a, in, a, in a younger player, lower level, there's often a reality check in double A. It doesn't mean their career is over. And people say, well, that's it. It's all done. So, and if somebody like Flores, who was, uh, you know, signed in the five-round draft and would have been like a sixth or seventh rounder, you know, and he does what he does, it's not he you know, gets a twenty thousand bonus. He couldn't have got more than that because that's all they could sign right. those guys for. It's like, okay, you know, what is he? Well, if he were a first-round pick, there's no way with his stuff at twenty-one. He's got big frame, good stuff. Kidding me? He's got, <laughs> you know, he gets out there and he's not afraid. So, you know, I'm not saying he's a sure thing, but it's a little bit different than a lot of times with some. No, I remember they've had these bad picks in the past, you know, like going way back, like Kenny Bow and, you know, uh, Mike Drumright and uh, Matt Wheatland. These guys stunk. All right. And they were taking in the Scott Moore, although he played in the major leagues and stuff. A lot of these guys didn't make it. Matt Brunson. And I'd look at him. I'm like, why did the Tigers take him in the first round? But they were always ranked high. It's like, why? Why? Exactly. You know, so there's a lot of that. And and 20 years, look, remember Andrew Miller? Andrew Miller was, he got traded. I'm sitting there watching him on my iPad when, you know, they first had MILB TV. He's pitching against Toledo for Pawtucket. And I'm kind of laughing at Andrew, not not at Andrew Miller, but I was like, wow, Andrew Miller's pitching for Pawtucket. Two years later, he's like the best pitcher in baseball. (laughs) Seriously. Well, everything changed when Boston turned him into – it was Boston, right, who turned him into a reliever. But he was pitching him – yeah, yeah. He was pitching That's a reliever. That's changed to, for him. Yeah, and he, he suddenly – he was a big, tall guy who had uh, – his, his mechanics would go kind of, you know, off base. When he got the groove on there, got his, you know, delivery post point, got some confidence, realized he didn't have to muscle the ball, whatever it was. Magic. So it's very different. So we'll talk about the Tigers prospects coming up next. And I'm going to uh, quiz Pat. Not quiz Pat, but we're going to talk about uh, just take a couple of top tens and just kind of go over go over your scouting on each and, and some of the, the yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you who the players are. Real I, quick, 2017 MLB Pipeline, top 100, number one, number one prospect. I mean, just to give you a, a feel for these lists are, are – it's the best attempt, but they're not – you just can't get too caught up in it. Andrew Benintendi, number one prospect in all of baseball. Yohan Moncada, number two. Yohan Moncada is on a – he's on a fast track going down downhill pretty quickly, if you ask me. Glaber Torres, Dansby Swanson, Ahmed Rosario, fifth. Nice player, but fifth. Alex Reyes. J.P. Crawford, Victor Robles, Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows. Those are the top 10 prospects in all of baseball. MLB pipeline going into 2017. Ozzy Alves, Lucas Giolito, Cody Bellinger, Eloy Menez, Brendan Roberts. When you get past the top 25, there are a lot of names you don't know, but some of the names you do, number 34, 33 spots behind Andrew Benintendi, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Number 46, Aaron Judge. 
number 100, Matt Chapman. Well, if you go back in my top tens, you know, uh, uh, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. We'll talk about it next. Uh, this is Tiger Talk, and ninety seven won the ticket. Well, it's great to be with you. Uh, I start getting a little chatty there, and uh, sorry about that. Uh, just uh, Dan too. We just get crazy. Miss our you get fired here. up. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I did want to say something. Uh, uh, you know, before is uh, doing those top ten lists. You go back to the top ten list I did back in the day, and uh, of the Tigers, and you notice that, like at the, you know, when Curtis Granderson was first drafted, the knock on Curtis Granderson was, and I remember this from draft day. Uh, look, he's a corner outfielder. He'll never hit with power. All right, uh, doesn't have good foot speed, and uh, could be like a solid two eighty, two ninety hitter. Real smart guy. You know, how Curtis was so. You know, diligent with his work ethic mm-hmm. and so together in, in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, what he set a record for triples and, you know, for the most triples in the last 60 years because he fast. He at center field for a couple of years. He was definitely a plus player. Um, and uh, he certainly had power. The 337th best player in Major League history, according to War, last I looked. <laughs> so uh, there's been over 21,000 players who've played. He was a fourth-round pick. Now, eventually, I think he was number one prospect. Bobby Higgins, another one. You know, you can talk about Bobby's career in a lot of different ways, uh, but he was uh, like a tenth-round pick or something out of Temple. You know, it's like he was drafted as a senior. He was on all lousy teams. The guy never played on a winning team past high school. <laughs> Minors, majors, college. And uh, But you know what? Everywhere he went, he, he, he got up. And I remember going in the Toledo clubhouse. I had known him from, you know, got to know him when he obviously later. But he started yelling at me. You know, guy's hitting like 330 or something. He had a point. He had a point. And uh, so you never know with this. Uh, it's happened over and over again. Uh, Joel Zamaya, 10th round pick. You know, players like that, uh, it's it's unbelievable how it can be. And then, you know, I, I can name, like, all these awful picks that the Tigers have had in the first round. That Well, let's skip past those. Let's go to let's go to the a couple of top tens, all right? And with the um, thought of what Ryan Garko said at the end of the year, that the biggest thing, there's, there's a big offseason for many, for all of them, really, to become bigger, faster, stronger while maintaining their baseball skills. So I want to throw some names at you. You talked about Jackson Job. And again, innings are still going to be an issue for a lot of Tigers' young pitchers. I think he threw 121 last year. Was it up to 120? I forgot it was that many. I don't know. He had 21 starts, maybe. Um, it was in the uh, probably right. below 100, I would think. Jace Young, last year's number one pick. As fans watch him progress, what do you look for first year? Well, he's got look. He he, he doesn't have. He's not a toolsy guy. His, everything's about hit, and, and he have to hit with some power. So he didn't hit with power last year. He struggled with that. He was just okay. And uh, to me, I could see if he weren't a first-round pick, I don't think he would be in the top 100. He's the opposite of Wilmer Flores. All right? Now, next year could be completely different. He was a prolific college hitter. But I have a problem, you know, with uh, Major League Baseball not supplying college programs with wood bats. Uh, I think that's an issue. Uh, you know, I know they're not souped up like they used to be, but if you're going to spend $2 million on some half-assed player, 
Maybe he could spend $2 million to supply all the college <laughs> programs with wood bats so he can actually scout them. I mean, oh, they play in the summer, and he played pretty well at one summer league out in California. Uh, but, you know, and they got, the, of course, the, uh, uh, you know, the Cape Cod League and some others, the Northwood League around here. But, you know, uh, you couldn't tell. And he's got a funky batting stance that everybody talks about. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops, but uh, he's got a hit. He's, you know, at best, Nick Castellanos. I mean, at best. And I don't think he runs as well as Nick, actually. All right, Cole Keith. Uh, this, this is an intriguing kid. He got really big last year. That, that's concerning, you know, puffy face too. So I don't know if it's all body and whatever. And uh, uh, but a very uh, he's, he runs reasonably well when he, he first came in. It wasn't like he was slow, and he's definitely got a power stroke. And he's left-handed. Uh, he can he you know for a guy who was a fifth-round pick and they paid five hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars. A bonus for that could ultimately pay off big time. I was surprised they signed him away. I think it was Mississippi State or In, Mississippi, one of the two schools. Injury though. shortened season, hit 300, slugged 540. So yeah, 240 and, and ISO, a, 914 I, OPS. High A ball at a young age. Yep. Justin Henry Malloy added in the trade, of course, from Atlanta in the offseason. Quick bat, pull hitter. Has to be able to uh, adjust to hitting the ball to different fields. When he gets in the major leagues, he's going to get. He's going to have to at some point push the ball the other way. Uh, limited tools, not you know a guy who's going to be average, and but definitely some power potential and some upside. Andy, you mentioned this, and I think when they signed him, and they're putting an em- point of emphasis, like you said, on strike zone discipline and things. He's pretty good that way. Yeah. That was a good trade they made. 16% walk rate last yeah. year in the minor leagues. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got that. But as far as hitting in major leagues, he's going to have to be able to uh, – having a quick bat and pulling the ball is the first thing you want on a guy. Uh, but, you know, at the major league level, you have to develop more of a versatility. That's, what he's, that's what's going to be the test for him. Parker Meadows, we talked about what is – what. In terms of this year, what constitutes a good year for him in his progress? Because he took a giant step last year. It's got to be a triple-A by the end of the year? Well, he should start in triple-A. He should be pushing for the major leagues in June. You know, there's a, the, the Tigers are the world of opportunity for Parker Meadows. So he's going to go to triple-A. He's going to see a lot more wrinkles. He's not going to see maybe as much power pitching. His big problems is length of swing has been that. Looks like he shortened it up, but he's got tools. When he first came in, man, it was like watching a foal, you know, come out of, you know, you know, out of a, out of a racehorse body, or you know what I'm saying, where he just kind of was awkward with big long legs. He's developed a lot more coordination as he's gotten older, and his swing's gotten shorter. Yeah, most of the year at Double A Erie, so starts at Triple A and pushes his way onto a major league. And roster. I mean that literally. He has really long legs and stride, and he has to. And he's a center fielder. Yeah, he, he, he can move. And 23 he, years old, just turned 23. This is age 23. He, he, made, he, he did make legitimate progress last year. A um, couple of guys that intrigued me. Another guy who used to be top prospect, fell off the map because he wasn't producing, Wenzel Perez. Wenzel Perez hit 14 home runs. or so. he, had more, he had more home runs last year he, than he hit in his career previously. He definitely reestablished himself as a prospect. Yeah, he, he has matured and gotten stronger and uh, learned how to lift the ball. And he's always been okay defensively. So he's definitely on – you know, if it was – the prospects are like stock market, right? 
they go up and down, you know, and you, and you never know where they're going to land and all that and when, when you should pick cash out on it and everything. Winslow Perez's stock is going up without question, and justifiably so. Andre Lipsius, we haven't heard his name a whole lot since he was taken in the third round in 2019, had a good year last year for the Tigers, and there are some in the organization who are uh, quietly excited about his about his upside. Well, the, Most the, of the year, double-A, finish at triple-A. High-level high college player, uh, somebody who uh, played at Tennessee and, uh, you know, just has produced. But uh, nothing about Andre Lip, Lipsius stands out. There isn't one tool that stands out. So I don't know where, you know, if he develops some power, he does something. He, he's kind of like a, right now it looks to me like a borderline prospect. But I'm not saying that he's not going to make it. I'm rooting for him, okay? I'm just telling you what I really think. Second base, third base in the minor leagues, a little more third base than second base, 86 walks, 89 strikeouts last year. That's going to catch the eye of Scott Harris. And that's <laughs> it. And that, you know what? There's a lot of organizations where players like Andre Lipsius develop when they're a little bit older. So we'll talk more about it next. This is Tiger Talk on 97 won the ticket. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, it's great to be with you tonight, uh, talking a lot about prospects. We'll talk to Alex Lang, uh, the uh, reliever. Dan, you know, you heard a lot about what I think of these guys. Which prospects excites you the most? I think Wilmer Flores is right at the top of the list. Yeah, he's vastly underrated that way. I'm intrigued by Reese Olson. Yeah, you know, we didn't talk about him. So, yeah, since we talked about a lot of the hitters, I'm, I'm intrigued by Let's talk about some of the pitchers. But I think Wilmer Flores' size, how rapidly he's progressed, stuff. He's poised. Uh, just, he, he's really impressive. Still only 21. I mean, th- this, kid's, this kid's on the fast track. I think he's 22 this year. Um, and, you know, he is a relation to the other Wilmer Flores. He's his brother. It's kind of like the George Foreman thing. Yes, they are both. All named George. <laughs> all George Foreman's kids. Flores. They're both named Wilmer <laughs> Flores. But Reese Olson, I mean, you got him for a two-month rental. And Daniel Norris, I mean, just terrific deal. And There's I an think, upside there. I think he's someone to watch. Didn't talk about Dylan Dingler. Uh, I, it seems like catchers tend to maybe develop a little slower because there's a little bit more on their plate. There's a lot more on their plate, let's face it, learning to call a game, handle a staff while you're developing your bat. He remains intriguing. Josh Crouch, though, is a guy that I think came came a long way. A lot. And I don't see him in top 10 on pipeline. I don't see him in the top 20 in MLB pipeline. I guess he's not even in the top 30. Now you won't. He'll have to down. kind of establish a little bit more. But but he, I think, caught a lot of people's eye this year. But I think the pitchers who are, who are rapidly developing and, and moving, Ty Madden is now a top-five prospect. Those college pitchers can come quick. Well, Ty Madden uh, was very impressive last year. Uh, they reworked his – you know how he used to be – and this was the case when they drafted Matt Manning, and I used to rave about it on this show. Shows you what I know. Matt Manning, six foot six, throws on a downward plane with that big overhand curve. 
Well, now they don't want you to do that. Isn't that amazing? And this is why um, you'll be hearing on the air this year. I may not say the exact words, but vertical approach angle is, is a big deal. Yeah, you want why to keep does Joe the ball? Ryan, who's, who doesn't have an overpowering fastball or high spin, get so many swings and misses? Because the angle at which it's at low release, ball's going in. So you're not throwing down like you said. And that's all we ever heard, you know, right? That's why guys over six feet get scouted more than... Guys six feet and under don't get scouted that much. Well, it's there haven't been many in history. It's still a factor because you're trying to keep the ball up, right. and, and logic dictates that um, uh, with it. There's a lot to it. And you still, some of those guys, like Tarek Skubal's got that over, you know, he comes late delivery, late, and he'll come on throwing. It's fascinating. And, There's so much that goes into it. You're right. With Ty Madden, he, he threw a straight overhand, and uh, they moved him to three quarters. So he could get the ball to stay up on a straighter plane all the way through the zone. Uh, you know, you hear a lot about spin rate, but it's also with, uh, you know, three quarters, it's easier to do that than it is if you're going straight overhand. So. As long as we're talking prospects, I want to talk about two guys last year who had spent a lot of time with the Tigers who I think are going to be huge this year, Bo Brisky and Garrett Hill. Right. I think uh, they could be starters. They certainly have been starters. But picture right now, with the rotation as it's currently situated, picture those two guys being out of the bullpen and working multiple innings. Bo Brisky, I don't know, I was looking at his season just the other day, just kind of going over start by start and pitching in Dodger Stadium, pitching in Houston, pitching in Yankee Stadium. All three really good starts, by the way. Pitched at Fenway, wasn't as good, but still, he was put in some of the, on some of the biggest stages, and he handled it. Right. He had some... The stuff is good. Real good. That coming out of the bullpen multiple innings at a time, that could be a real weapon. And I do think, I think the Tigers believe this as well, that we're going to get back to a time that you can have a 100-inning relief pitcher. Most relievers top out at 80 right now. But if you use them the right way and you can have, you know, figure out, and A.J. Hinch, no one better than him in figuring this kind of stuff out, you can, if you're using the right way, you can you can have a guy log as many as 100 pitches strictly or 100 innings strictly out of the right. bullpen. Bo Brisky, Garrett Hill could fit that, and they're going to be extremely valuable, I think, coming out of the bullpen if that's where they are. I mean, they they might be starters, but right now it looks like that could be they could be real weapons, and I, I'm excited about both those guys. Garrett Hill is throwing 97 out of the bullpen. We're, we're looking at each other in the booth like, what? Where did that come from? We knew it was there. I guess, but I, d- I didn't know he had 97. I knew he had 93, 94, 95 as a starter, but 95 top end. Well, you he never, was, you he never know. Gas. He didn't throw that hard when he was drafted. He would have been drafted higher. He was a pretty successful college pitcher. Um, but it's when the Tigers drafted Joel Zamaya, he they had the old-fashioned guns, you know, the Jugs guns. and I, mean, I might even have had the uh, Ray guns, which measured it over the plate. And you had the scouts, old Smokey, sitting there, you know. Uh, he was throwing like you know the equivalent of the uh, less than the average major league fastball, about the major league fastball, which would be, he was probably what would be the equivalent of ninety two right now. And he ended up throwing a hundred miles an hour, uh, you know, within a year. Nobody knew why. Mark Mulder, uh, the Tigers drafted Mark Mulder. Remember the pitcher, the big tall pitcher, right. Oakland. Yeah, they drafted him in the fifty seventh round when the draft was that long. He's a first baseman out of high school, and uh, he was throwing eighty two miles an hour. <laughs> and uh, one day I get a call from Baseball America telling me to go up to East Lansing and talk to Mulder. He's thrown 98. Yeah, he was a first baseman, and he developed a fastball. So I, nobody knew why. It wasn't some kind of miracle right. pitching coach. 
So it, the, the human arm is uh, very mysterious. And all the biomechanical things that they do, which are important, I'm not taking anything away from it, um, but you, some guys have funky deliveries and their arms will last forever. Some guys will have the absolute perfect delivery in every way and they break down all the time. You've got pitchers like uh, uh, Bartolo Colon who are fatter than heck and uh, they get guys out. And then you got other guys who I are love ripped watching athletes. That guy pitch. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you know how it works. Here, here's man. a fastball. See if you can hit it. Yeah. Here's another fastball. You know what? Here's my 25th consecutive fastball. <laughs> By the time when Pedro Martinez was a you know a real hard thrower, but he was five eight, and then by the time he was done, he was, you know and he was still five pitching. two. Oh no, he was, he was five <laughs> foot eight. All right, that's it, and about one hundred and eighty, uh, and if that, and uh, by the time he was done, he was throwing eighty nine miles an hour. But over his last few years, he still struck out a lot of guys, did a lot of things. Yeah, why? So uh, those are all the myst- mysteries that go into you know this process. Garrett Hill, I, I can't explain that. Now, Bo Brisky measures out better uh, with the technology. Bo Brisky measures out. If Bo Brisky were put on the market right now, a lot of teams would want him uh, simply because he has a high spin rate and a good fastball. He throws hard, so uh, consistently. And like you said, he showed poise for somebody that virtually, virtually came out of nowhere. And the number of games that started with a home run leadoff batter in the first pitch. I mean, there are like three different games, at least two. But he'd get into early trouble, and then he'd settle down, and he'd go six or seven. It was, I was really impressed. Well, you I mean, knew how to get his, that out pitch, you know. His best starts were really, really good. There's some some pitchers can't get that out pitch. That's the other factor, and I, I don't know where the dynamic is, but they'll be on the verge of getting out of a jam, and there's always a a, a, a hit. You know, it could be a grounder through the hole or a bloop. And the ones who are really good, and uh, you may not have thought, they get that out. And uh, that's the other factor. You know, I mean, who does that, why they do it, it's one of the great mysteries of the game. That's why, with, even with all the technology and what everybody knows, uh, scouting remains an art to a large degree, not a science. And that's why you still, I mean, the good teams and the Tigers, I think, are doing this quite well, balancing some teams getting rid of a lot of their scouts, going to more video, more analytics, but you, you do need the eyes on certain players for, uh, for many different reasons. Finding out about the person, if you're going to draft him, and if you're scouting potential trade, you, you just do. You have to see how they – what are they doing when things aren't – when the ball's not in play? Is that center fielder taking a step like Riley Green does every single pitch because of his pre-pitch – Preparation. I mean, all those kinds of things. So scouts, yeah, you're still the good teams are still balancing having enough scouts with video department scouting with analytics. But I, I would say this to you know uh, Major League Baseball, you know, and they made a lot of good changes to help the game, in the actual game settings, all this stuff. People are really going to like, and it's, it's changing for the better. But I would say this from the player development standpoint: uh, make sure the college programs have wood bats. You know, I agree with you a thousand percent on that. You know, and and make sure that uh, you know you're, you're giving yourself the the best uh, best landscape uh, to actually evaluate players in every way, rather than you know traditionally baseball has always fought the colleges because they're afraid the players are going to sign. Well, the dynamic is now that if a player is well to do, he's probably going to go to college, even if he's got some potential. 
If he's not well-to-do, he's probably going to sign in with baseball. There's no secrets anymore. Baseball's not getting a lot of information that the college programs don't have. All that landscape, all this stuff about, hey, we're not revealing our draft picks beyond the first round. All that stuff needs to change, and they need to come into the modern age on development. So anyway, coming up next, we'll talk to Alex Lang. And some more promising young arms in the bullpen. There's a guy who was dealing by the end of last year. Uh, this is Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. Hey, it's great to be with you. Without further ado, let's talk to uh, the Tigers' promising reliever who did so well last year, uh, Alex Lang. Alex, how you doing today? <laughs> Too long. <laughs> All right, what'd you say? Uh, our connection with uh, Alex isn't uh, so good there. Uh, Jen, can we uh, try to uh, get that one uh, again with Alex? We'll try again. So, but anyway, I was just telling you, and I'll, I'll ask him this. He was a regular on the filthiest pitch of the day on YouTube. <laughs> he had a very good year. And, you know, I, while we wait to reconnect, I mean, this is a guy who had five really good months, had a struggle in, in August, and then finished lights out in September. Tough on lefties, tough on righties, lots of swing and miss, lots of ground balls. Great combination. You know, I didn't mind when they traded Soto and Jimenez. I kind of understood that. But uh, if they traded Lang, I would have been – my head would have exploded. <laughs> anyway, joining us now is Alex Lang. Sorry about the uh, technical thing there, Alex, but uh, – uh, I was just going to say, uh, you were a regular on the uh, filthiest pitch of the day on YouTube. I love that, watching it. Were you, were you, were you aware of that? How many times you were on the filthiest pitch of the day last year? <laughs> no, honestly, no. I'm not a big YouTube YouTube guy. So Yeah, well, you, you went viral a couple times, especially with that 98-mile-an-hour uh, four-seamer that looked like Greg Maddox. They were comparing it. So he, he was throwing 90, and you were throwing 98 to uh, Joey Gallo. <laughs> You remember that? Yeah, oh, man. Hey, if you're in the same conversation as uh, as Greg, that's uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah. I'll, I'll take that. I appreciate it. Alex, you and I talked uh, toward the end of the year for the pregame, and you were overly impressed with your season. You just kind of quietly talked about the work you're putting in and just trying to get better every day. But it really was a good season for you. Pat and yeah. I were just talking five of the I six months. That. We're really good, and after some struggles in August, you just got back to it, and you dominated in September. What did you take out of this season? As you, I mean, did you have a chance after the decompressing after the long season in in October to look back and, and think of what you accomplished and, and what were your biggest takeaways in terms of what you wanted to do this off season? And honestly, uh, I think it just boils down to being being consistent. That's what I learned this year: just being consistent with your routine, being consistent. You know. Just being the same guy every day—that's that's the that's the biggest battle I think most relievers uh, find themselves in. A little sore, a little tired, a little this, a little that. Just being consistent, being showing up every day and ready ready to toe the slab for the boys. And I think uh, we got a we got a pin full of guys that are able to do that. And, uh, it makes our job easier when we can kind of rely on each other and, and you know feed. Oh no! Staying healthy, man. That, that that's what it's all about. If you can stay healthy, you're going to be just fine. So I think that's a big goal of mine. Uh, that's a big thing that I reflected upon. Just let, let's stay healthy and get out there and take take the ball every time AJ gives you the opportunity. When you, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, look, you you were a big time uh, college performer, Friday starter at LSU. That's about as big as it gets uh, for a college pitcher. That's one of the uh, you know premier uh, spots. And you were early picked by the Cubs. 
and uh, pro ball didn't start out so well for you, you know, and you ended up with the Tigers. Uh, and uh, you've really had to persevere uh, through a lot of things before that. Uh, you know, everything kind of came together for you here. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that process and uh, what you learned through that process? And you think ultimately it might make you a better pitcher? In the oh, long yeah, run? 100%. I, I think so. I, you know, if you've got some adversity, throw it my way. That's what I'm into. I like the <laughs> adversity. I like to overcome it. I like, um, I like working under pressure. I feel calm under pressure. Um, you know, as far as, as far as early in uh, my pro career, I think I was trying to do some things that, you know, just wasn't me. Um, you know, and once I kind of made the transition to the bullpen, kind of fit my style a little bit more, um, you know, and I was able to, you know, kind of continue to, to develop and to grow into who I am and, you know, and still even more, you know, to continue to grow. So, no, I think it's, it's a good thing to struggle. It's a good thing to learn from. You know, if, if you have the opportunity to learn learn from mistakes, like you're just going to be better for next time. So, I just look at that kind of adversity as, as a positive, and you know, I, I try to look and try to find find more adversity if we can take it, um, and just continue to learn and continue to grow. What does an off season look like for a reliever, Alex? I mean, you talked about your curveball last year, and that's the pitch that got you on. Uh, what's the website, Pat? No, it's actually the swings back. Of the day. Yeah, filthiest <laughs> pitches of the day. You on said YouTube. basically it's been the same pitch for you since you were 17. You learned it at 17. You're always tweaking. I mean, is that something? How do you keep it sharp? One season doesn't necessarily always lead into the next. Uh, what do you do to stay sharp, make sure that pitch stays sharp, and then you're as ready as possible when, you know, what are we? Two weeks now, pitchers and catchers report. Two weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, when I, when I my first goal of the offseason, uh, is always just kind of identify where I'm hurting, what needs what needs some work, and just to get the body back, back to its normal, you know, homeostasis as <laughs> normal feeling as possible to to put it. Uh, so I'll put, I put the ball down for about a week this year, and then I start kind of slowing it down um, four or five times a week, just working on some weighted balls, working on some arm action stuff, just try to build that arm strength back up. Um, in, in a healthy and safe manner. And then as we start to ramp up, you know, into November and stuff, then we start getting off the mound and start tightening some some delivery stuff up and then really start tightening up uh, down at the catcher with the command stuff come December. So I like to stay throwing. Um, I'm not a big put-the-ball-down guy. Yeah. Like to, if I could throw every day, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that because you know, I just feel it works for me. And the more, I'm, the more times I'm off the mound, the more times uh, I'm working, um, the sharper I'm going to be. So that's that's basically what I try to do. I just try to keep working all offseason, keep throwing, keep keep attacking the zone, keep filling it up in the bullpen. And you know, it feels like feels like the offseason just started, but at the same time, it was a long, long offseason. I couldn't be more excited to get to Lakeland. So now, I'm fired up. Gregory Soto's been traded away. Are you already lobbying uh, AJ for uh, opportunities to uh, to close games out? <laughs> I haven't talked to AJ about it, but uh, AJ knows any situation he gives me the ball in, I'm going to do what I can. So the, the more times I, I have the opportunity to go out there and uh, and pitch, uh, if we're pitching with a lead, whatever, and just turn the ball over to the next guy. So, you know, I'm super excited. We're, we're going to miss Greg. We're going to miss JoJo. Um, we've learned a lot from those guys, and uh, we're going to take it from here. You know, closing, uh, a lot of folks talk about it, the different dynamics, and then there are people like Dan and I who look at a lot of the – uh, the metrics and talk about high leverage situations being more important. What are your thoughts on closing? Is it different if you come out there with a one run lead uh, and the bases are cleared, but there's still a lot of pressure on you or is, 
you know, coming in with uh, one out in the eighth and two guys on, and you're trying to get out of it to save that one-run lead. Is there any different mindset to it? Uh, you know, when, when that phone rings, there's a uh, adrenaline dump unlike anything else when you're sitting down there. <laughs> um, I think I think uh, the second that adrenaline spikes and you start getting hot, and then when when you see AJ go out there and, and go get go get the guy in front of you and you're going in or the inning ends and you know it's time like it I mean it's 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 a a zen feeling unlike anything else it's it's the best feeling in the world so um if you're going in with guys on you just got to make sure you're tight and ready to go and you know if you're playing for punch outs because they're in scoring position um if you're closing you just got to know hey man I got to get three outs before they score a run that's the only mentality you have to have so I'm gonna lay everything out there that what I had to offer and what I got, you know, my guys have worked really hard all game to put us in this situation, and let's take them home. Let's go celebrate a W. So, um, like I said, whatever we got to do to get three outs, that's what we're going to do. AJ's been so impressive, uh, Alex. We're talking with Alex Lang, Tigers reliever, had a terrific second year in the major leagues this past year. AJ just seems to play, play the matchup game, Alex, as well as any manager that I, I have seen. What, from your standpoint, what what is it that he does so well in, in how he communicates with you guys and how he then uses you guys that impresses you? Yeah, I think he just really, really understands uh, the reliever side of the game, you know, um, even though he's not down there. Like, he really understands how to manage a bullpen. He knows how to get guys up um, in a timely manner, you know, even if even if he needs you quickly, like, he's still giving you enough time. Uh, I just think he's putting us in the in the best situation to help the team, and that's that's all you can really ask for is a guy that, um, you know, he believes in us, and, uh, and just whatever situation he thinks you're going to thrive in, he's going to give you that opportunity, and, um, and that's pretty cool. You know, you you give it up one night, he's he's not scared to give you the ball the next night. He's not going to sit on you like he's, you know, he's going to work you, and uh, it's, you know, those guys down there like. We, we like to work. We like to get in the game as much as we can. We like to help this team. And um, so it's just nice knowing that, you know, he's going to look out for us, and almost protect us from ourselves at some points in the season. So that's, that's good. You know, he, he does a phenomenal job. By the way, that uh, uh, little slider that you threw, uh, Trout, that also made the filthiest pitches of the day. Talking <laughs> out there. August 11th, man. You go look it up there. Uh, there, there it is. Struck <laughs> out it. Mike Trout. But anyway, Alex, appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, best of luck this coming season. Thanks for joining us. Alex, we'll see you in Thanks. Florida. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Can't right. wait. Uh, Alex Lang. Hey, another quick hour. Another quick hour. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Pistons. Pistons Weekly is coming up next, and Ken Cal will be here with Inside Hockey Town. I'll talk Lions just at 9 o'clock, so I hit all the food groups, or 10 o'clock. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, you yeah. talk Lions? Yeah, why not, man? Why I'll not? go through all of them. All right. There you go. Anyway. Talk to you and next enjoyed week. it next week. Uh, 97 won the ticket, Tiger Talk.